Hello and welcome to episode 11 of your parenting podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Bamford, and the weather is fucking beautiful. 66 degrees outside, nice breeze, makes me want to open all the windows. This is what's uh, my favorite part of the Florida weather. Just a tragedy that it has to be. You know, a couple of weeks in December that it gets this nice. Well, the rest of the year, you know, we just melt our balls off. Makes me wonder how I'm going to explain uh, climate change to the boys. <laughs> you know, in 20 years, when they're like, oh, how come as soon as we fill up the pool, it all evaporates in 10 seconds? Yeah, well, son, that's because we've ruined the earth. <laughs> And in a hundred years, you know, most of the areas near the equator will be uninhabitable. And what's funny is that uh, Grayson's getting really into into science, which is awesome. Because I think that's the best way to to learn, you know, especially because uh, you know I don't want him to. You know, lean too heavily on, you know, cartoons his whole life. <laughs> and he's just always so naturally curious. And I think Logan may eventually, you know, get into some of it. But I see, I see Logan as being more of a jock. You know, he doesn't seem to be into books too much. He seems to be more into, like, the physical. You know, and Grayson seems to like a little everything, too. But I think Logan will be the one that'll stick more with, like, the sports path. Which is cool, you know, because like we don't want them, you know, don't want them all to be into the same stuff. And it's nice for them to have their own interests. Yeah, but I love that, you know, when Grayson will ask about something. You know, I get to try to do my best to explain it in layman's terms. You know, eventually we got to take him to the the science center, um, Orlando Science Center. I heard that I haven't been there in so long. God, I couldn't even tell you what's in there. I mean, I must have been eight or nine myself, you know, last time I went. But I'm sure he would, uh, he would love it. The other boys, maybe not. Maybe when they get a little bit older. It's like I would love to... I mean, granted, you know, last time I went to the Kennedy Space Center, where they were still doing the space shuttles, and I went with... I honestly don't even remember who I was with, but I remember I got to see a night launch from that observation place it's about a mile away and uh, it's one of those memories that'll that'll stick with me forever I mean I can close my eyes I can feel the ground vibrating you can feel it in your chest and then at night it's just so amazingly bright it's I'm sure the uh, the boys would love that you know, when they get a little bit older maybe if they start doing some of the rocket launches at night <coughs> sorry sorry still a little under the weather I was sick most of last week. I had a coworker bring the fucking seven plagues of Egypt into the office. And probably took out half the people there. And I got to bring it home to my family. I was supposed to go to a uh, office Christmas party yesterday, but you know, two of the kids are still sick. I'm still sick. Not fun. 
And it's just, it's hard enough to, to take care of your own sick child, but when you're also sick and miserable, it makes it that much more fun. Now, speaking of work, it was last, was it the beginning of last week, where I got the pleasure of uh, unclogging one of the toilets. And this was a, you know, in our building, like a, a semi-public, I guess it's just a public restroom, but it's, you know, it's a one-seater. And, uh, you know, employees and, uh, um, you know, clients will, will use it. And I go in there, and it is just, oh my god. Like, the best way I can describe it is as if somebody, like, ate someone else's diarrhea, and then just covered it in bits of seaweed. And it was so bad, and I was, you know, gagging trying to unclog it, because no one else was gonna in this building. They were just gonna just slap an out-of-order sign on there, and I guess just never use that bathroom again. But old Jaybird pulled on some gloves. Went in there with the you know, toilet plunger. Every time the uh, the water started to splash back, I had to do this little you know jump out of the way like I was avoiding a bee. And when I came, and it's just, I mean, when you when you leave something like that. In a bathroom. Like, you can write a note on the mirror or something. I need to feel... I need to know that the person felt some kind of remorse for what they've done to another human being. I mean, this is... And there's a camera in the hallway. I, I know exactly what time it was I went in there. I want to go review the fucking camera. Find out who the asshole was that went in there and then track him down. And to say, sir or madam, you are living wrong. Like you are doing something in your life that is incorrect. If this is what you're leaving in toilets behind you. And it was, I mean, this is another thing that I'll probably remember forever. Like I can close my eyes and see it. This fucking toilet stew that I had to unclog. Did I get paid any extra for it? Absolutely not. But that's okay. Moving right along with our podcast. I usually try to get, you know, some shit jokes in for the first ten minutes. Well, I'm over here chugging a Powerade trying to stay hydrated. Because whatever this, this virus was that I got... It was just, it just drains, drains your energy. I'd be coughing, coughing, coughing. I swore I had a fever. I felt like my skin was on fire. But of course, no fever. It's like, almost like I wanted one just to make all the bullshit worth it. It's like, oh, I'm feeling close to death. And it's like, what's my temperature? Oh, it's 98.1. So it's even lower than it's, you know, it's the, the average or whatever it's called. And then the kids get it, and the first thing they get is a fever. Anytime my kids get sick, it's like the first, and they spike such high fevers, and it scares the shit out of me. I mean, Grayson once had one that was 105, had to rush him to the ER. 
Doctor didn't believe us till he took the temperature. Oh, look, 105. It's like, I'm not making that shit up to get him seen faster. Now, I'm sure some people do that shit. But it's just, you know, you get that that panic, you know, when it's, uh, you know, when it's your kids. Speaking of kids, yes, this is a parenting podcast, so we'll talk about them occasionally. Uh, someone on Facebook, you know, a friend of my wife's, I won't say her, because I'm not, you know, there's nothing against her, but she posted a little article, which I guess was a picture of a newspaper clipping, and it was an older, older guy. And I'm sure this was directed at millennials because everything fucking is. And I guess technically I am. I think I'm on the last year of the age for the uh, the millennials. But he's talking about how um, children should not be the most important people in the family. You know, the most important person in the family should be your spouse. And I, I mean, it irritated me. And I'll preface this by saying that most things irritate me. But, you know, with this, it was... I don't know. It seemed... I mean, my first thought at the end... Because maybe he even had the... The sentence that said, Oh, our conversations were never interrupted. You know, our, our children you know, knew you know, their place. And, and blah, blah, blah. It, just, it sounded like... The ramblings of a cranky old man. You know, maybe even somebody that doesn't even have any kids. Yeah, and it's also sounded like, you know, I can't verify. But it sounded like it came from an era from like the 50s or 60s. or You know, it's like, maybe he was even remembering his childhood in like the 30s and the 40s. And it's like, that's your golden age? Nazis and shit? You know, am I the only one that doesn't... It's like that was when the Great Depression was. It's like that's what you want to go back to, those ideals. It's like, listen, it's like, I get it. And this person that posted the article doesn't have any kids, which is by no means anything negative. Kids are for everybody. I get it. You know, some people aren't ready to have kids yet. That's fine. But because I have kids, you're going to get my opinion. You know, every... Yeah, I've said this before, and as you get older, your circle of concern gets smaller. And mine is, for the most part, my wife and my kids. That's my my inner circle, I guess you can say. And I have an outer circle with a couple of people that, you know, I'd pee on if they were on fire. That's a... Yeah, my kids are the most important... Because they will always be my kids. And also, at the moment, they will—they are the most important. Because they require the most attention and the most love. You know, they are at an age where they don't always understand. They don't instinctively know that I love them with all my heart. That their mother loves them with all their heart. They have an idea. I mean, they expect... You know, I think instinctually they know that they're safe, you know, with us, and that kind of thing. 
but it's just eventually they would get to the point where they'll be older, they'll be more independent, they'll know that, you know, our love is unconditional. You know, no matter if they, you know, become adults and they're, you know, gay or transgender or, I mean, even a serial killer. It's like, I mean, yeah, I'll turn them in, you know, but it's like, yeah, I'm still going to love them. But it's like, when they're so young, they require so much more of you. So in essence, they kind of become the most important part of the family. You know, because I can take the kids and go to the park. You know, and if Cynthia's at home, I don't have to worry about her. I don't have to worry about, is she going to fall in the tub? You know, I don't have to worry about, is she going to get into something underneath the kitchen sink? Some kind of poisonous chemical? You know, because she's an adult. You know, it's like, and obviously... And I've told people before, you know, first-time parents. Because that's usually the... I don't want to say people ask me for advice, because no one really does. But I talk a lot of shit, so I give advice whether people want it or not. But I've told, you know, several first-time parents that... You know, especially the first baby. Not that you're not going to know what you're doing. I mean, for the most part... I'll say it's 50-50. You know, a lot of it is just instinct. It's just common sense. You know, sometimes you won't know what you're doing and you're going to make mistakes. And yes, you're going to want to prevent as many of those as you can, but there's also some of those mistakes you're going to want to make so you can learn from it. And yeah, with the with your first baby, everything's going to be new and terrifying. So I've told first-time parents that you know, you need to build up the relationship, you know, with your your partner. You know, I'm not going to assume anyone's fucking gender. So don't, you know, hashtag me to me. But just whatever, whoever you're going to raise the child with. You know, and obviously I can't speak for single parents. Because that's not my experience and that's a whole other fucking podcast. But for the people that do have a dedicated partner to raise a child, you know, during the the pregnancy of the first child, I tell them, do what you can to bolster that relationship. You know, if you're the traditional male-female couple, you know, husband-wife, boyfriend-girlfriend, you know, because a baby, especially a first baby, if you can picture it as a hurricane... You know, when you know a hurricane's coming, you know, you cover the fucking plants and you board up the windows. And that's kind of what you're doing to your relationship. You know, not that a baby's going to destroy it, but it will completely change it. You know, and people that are thinking about having kids, you know, I tell them, if you like your life exactly the way it is, then don't have kids. Because even though, for me, it's a good change, your life still will change. And I think that's where you get a lot of... You know, I even know a couple of guys that have a very difficult time letting go of that swinging bachelor life. They have a hard time putting themselves in that, that father mode. You know, and there's no going back. And it's just, you have to understand that your life will, you know, will be forever altered. There's no way to maintain, at least as far as I know, there's no way to maintain the life you have while being a successful parent. 
And by successful parent, I mean you raise your child. I don't want to say correctly because you know, you're going to come up with a million ways of people you know, saying what's correct. But it's like when you raise your child successfully, it's, you know, they grow up without, you know, as little mental illness as possible without any kind of childhood traumas, you know. That's where some of the common sense kicks in. But it's just you want to, you know, when you know the baby's coming, you go out to dinner more often. You know, you, you give each other foot rubs. You try to do all the cheesy, corny, romantic stuff that'll bring you both close together. You know, because when that baby comes, you know, the especially a newborn, I mean, fuck, the first three months, you know, you're barely going to see each other. Because you know, that child is going to need so much attention from both of you. And I believe science will back me up that it's beneficial if those people don't fucking hate each other while they're passing the baby back and forth. So you need to just, you know, have sex as much as possible or just, you know, like keep that physical intimacy, that emotional intimacy, because that'll board up the windows for when the baby hurricane comes. And then it's like you can weather that storm of the first three months of, you know, both being greasy-faced, passing each other in the hallway, and one is changing the diaper, one is getting the milk. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful chaos. You know, because as, as much as you want to just, like, grab a pillow and scream into it until your voice doesn't work, you know, you still want to be there. You know, and even the... You know, I was on the fence about kids for... You know, I didn't want kids for a long time. I'll just be full disclosure. Mostly just because I was too selfish. I did not like kids. I just knew... I just knew... That I couldn't maintain my lifestyle. You know, with a child in it. Like a child didn't fit in the life that I wanted at the time. But I also knew that... I'm complicated. And that you know, maybe my mind will change. You know, and then once... You know, I found out Cynthia was pregnant. Um, which, you know, that was a conversation. Because we were, you know, not at the best place financially. And now she's since learned. But, you know, when she first discovered it, she came up to me and, and we ended up having a big fight. She was like, well, you know, what do you think about having kids a little sooner than we talked about? And then me not getting the hint, I was like, well, that's a fucking terrible idea. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, we have no money. It's like we're in this tiny little apartment. And then it's devolved into this big fight. And then at the end, she was like, I'm pretty sure I'm pregnant. It's like this, you know, this, this tentative switch flipped. Because there's always that false positive. And it was like the light switch was halfway between... You know, past Jeremy and dad Jeremy. So, you know, we went to the doctor, did the blood tests, you know, definitely pregnant. And then it's like the switch flipped all the way. And I got that terrified excitement. Then, the, and granted, you know, we did our best to try and bolster the relationship. You know, I'm going to tell you it wasn't easy. Especially because we were trying to save every dollar that we could of the very few dollars that we had. 
towards the baby, some of our date nights. We went to the uh, the local racetrack gas station. And we would go in there and they had this little bar, little ice cream, like a little fro-yo kind of area. And we would get a hot dog, maybe some frozen yogurt, and that would be our little date night. And it was the best I've ever had. Like, those are the nights that I'll never forget. Even though it's like we were terrified about the future. And she was miserable from being pregnant. But we were still, you know, putting in the effort, you know, to be with each other, to tell each other jokes. You know, we would do everything we can just to have those few extra dollars just for our little racetrack date nights. And it was wonderful. Or sometimes, you know, if the weather was nice like it is now. We got about two weeks left, Floridians. But sometimes if the weather was nice, we would walk down to the local Walgreens. It was about, I don't know, three quarters of a mile. Just to, you know, because they always make the Pregos walk everywhere. And that kind of thing was wonderful. So, like, you do that kind of stuff. You know, then when the baby comes and everybody's, you know, terrified and everything's new. I mean, and even when, you know, it's not your first child, even our second child. You know, granted, less terrifying, a little more exciting, just because, not that the first baby was less exciting, but I was just less terrified, just because we had kind of, you know, we'd been through this before. And the pregnancy was so similar. You know, Cynthia was fucking miserable the whole time. Sorry, something just fell over behind me. I thought it was a fucking ghost. But, uh, it's just toilet paper hat. But, uh, Cynthia was miserable the whole time. And then the birth, just like Grayson's birth, you know, Logan's birth was, was quick and easy. I mean, we, you know, I, thankfully, I was given the chance to give it my, this birth, my full excitement. You know, but still, during that time, I mean, even though we already had the one child, we tried to, you know, go out and do stuff. We would take Grayson in the little stroller, you know, on our little walks. You know, like we, you know, every now and then maybe we can get a little babysitter, you know, for a couple hours to have a little tiny date night. You know, it's like you do those little things to, you know, board up the windows before the next baby hurricane. But it's just, you know, I've never thought of my, my wife as any less important. You know, she's always been the queen of the castle, you know, and, and and I prefer it that way. You know, I've never, uh, you know, it's like when you say your kids are the most important, it's like it makes it sound like you're ignoring your spouse or your partner. You know, and you're not, it's just like there are different levels of, you know, it's like you love everyone equally but differently. You know, so of course, you know, I want to make sure that I maintain the relationship that I have with Cynthia because this is the first relationship that my kids will experience. You know, I want them to see, you know, especially from my perspective, a man's perspective, because they're all boys, I want them to see this is how you treat a woman. You know, this is what people act like when they're in love. You know, this is, you know, the way we'll tease each other and make little jokes and like we go out and do things as a family. They see this relationship, this is the first one they experience. So, of course, I want them to see that it's a strong one. 
That way, when they have their first relationship, they can kind of use ours as a template. You know, and obviously, I don't want them to go out and find somebody that's just like Cynthia, you know, because that'd be weird. But, you know, it's just, if they if they come from a, a broken home, then I think, and I think, I'll, once again, science may back me up on this, but I think that they will seek out broken people and have broken relationships. You know, I've had uh, many relationships, but I didn't come from, I mean, my parents divorced when I was eight but, I mean, it wasn't, you know, a broken home. Nobody was ever abused. There wasn't any kind of trauma. You know, I just got to have two Christmases. You know, both my parents are great parents, so I feel terrible for the people that grow up in these these awful places. But it's like, so I've had, you know, relationships with people that ended up being broken. You know, sometimes, you know, Sometimes you find these people whether you want to or not. And I guess I don't know what my point is with that. That you know, my kids right now, you know, are the most important for that reason. You know, because like I stated before, because they need, you know, the most of me, you know, the most of Cynthia. You know, so it doesn't mean that, you know, I think of Cynthia any less. You know, I'm always thinking of Cynthia. You know, because she's my, you know, not just my wife, not just, you know, legally bound to me on a piece of paper. But, you know, she's my, you know, my partner. And that's, uh, you know, my companion. You know, and that's like almost more important than, you know, being, you know, just a wife. Because, you know, anybody can get married. And it's like to build that connection, that relationship with someone. That it's like you kind of lead by example. You know, and obviously we're not perfect. Obviously, you know, I can be difficult, we'll say. But, you know, you still try to, you know, do your best. There are still days where, I mean, there are still weeks. Especially in the last few months because we're trying to get all this house stuff sorted out. You know, but there's, you know, there's been, you know, like a week where we, you know, barely get to talk. We barely get to hang out. You know, because we got a lot of stuff going on. We both work, you know, stuff with the kids. And, you know, back in Grayson was doing soccer. We had the soccer practice twice a week and then the games. And that's like, but it doesn't mean we love each other any less. You know, you still have that same level of respect. You know, you still treat them the same. You know, then we have weeks where we don't have shit going on. You know, then we try to, you know, find stuff to do because we get bored. And that's another thing. It's like certain couples I've seen uh, can't handle boredom. That's a, that's usually a red flag if you guys can't. Yeah, as a couple, whatever gender. Um, you know, if you can't handle doing nothing, and like and it turns into a fight every time, like one of you is not being entertained. You know, I've I've had those relationships, and they were that's that's exhausting. You know, it's like, you know, Cynthia, she always finds stuff to do. She has a very active mind. She's always, you know, because she's she's active in social media. She uses all these informational, you know, Facebook groups to you know find out stuff. She somehow managed to find deals on everything you could imagine. 
you know, she is good at helping Grayson with his schoolwork and all that. It's like, I can always read a book. It's like, there's never, especially when you have three kids, there's never not shit to do. <laughs> so it's rare that, you know, we'll just sit there doing nothing. <laughs> but uh, even, even though this weekend, you know, we've all been pretty sick. Uh, we still managed to go out to... My father-in-law's birthday is coming up, so we everybody works during the week, so we just did a little dinner tonight. Uh, well, you know, met up at a restaurant, big party of ten. Uh, but it was a, it was a good meal, one of those meals. Everybody, you know, the kids were all behaved, even though by halfway through Logan fell asleep. <laughs> but uh, you know, it was good, good food, good conversation with some good people. Yeah, I'm glad that he uh, got a, a good birthday celebration. Plus, my uh, brother-in-law is back from college um, for a couple of weeks for the uh, the holidays. So it was nice to have everybody kind of gathered. Usually, most of our you know, if we go out for a holiday dinner or a special occasion, we always have a good amount of people. And uh, my kids at restaurants are. It's it's hit or miss. And I wish I could say that my kids are always extremely well behaved in restaurants. Usually in movie theaters we do better. But uh, restaurants, it depends on their mood. But it's, you know, today everybody was you know, well behaved. Isaiah was a little bit restless. I think it's because he's you know under the weather. You know, ear infection. You know, it's like all the stuff that you can't help and it breaks your heart seeing him all miserable. But even he you know, got in better spirits once he got some of that uh, that bread they give you. You know, he had some chicken, you know, it's just, once you kind of distract him with food, especially now that he's feeding himself, you know, for the most part, you know, sometimes, you know, if it's something like yogurt or ice cream or something drippy, he'll let you feed him with a spoon. But now it's like you got to put it on his little plate in front of him or he'll just, he'll literally slap your hand away. And uh, because I think it's funny, I'll try to feed him over and over and he'll get really irritated about it. But, uh... Yeah, it was a you know, nice ending to a uh, semi-crappy weekend. I know uh, that I missed my office Christmas party, which I'm going to catch a lot of shit for. But, uh, you know, shit happens. I'll get the next one. That's the, uh, the podcast for the week. I appreciate uh, all of your support. Uh, you can send any parenting tips, life hacks, funny parenting stories to your parenting podcast at gmail.com. Uh, thank you for supporting the uh, the sponsor. Uh, that's still uh, infatuate. There should be a little ad that runs at the beginning of the show. My fancy commercial. So feel free to check them out. I get a little kickback on the back end. And uh, that's all for now. And I'll talk to you guys next week.